2: Well, he is one of the most influential people currently working in television. From young gun reporter to executive producer, his rise through the ranks has been unprecedented but it's also brought a lot of success to the Seven Network. His show, Sunrise, is the number one breakfast show in Australia, and over the past few years, his talents have been put to good use on various primetime shows. Michael Pell, welcome to MacKnight Tonight. Thanks, Rob. Good to be with you. Mate, do you remember the first time we met what you showed me? Um, no, so please, please remind me. <laughs> I'm not being rude. I'm not being rude. Um, you pulled me over to your desk in the Seven Newsroom, and you showed me your Superman story.
0: Yeah, right. Well, that was kind of my introduction to the Seven Network. That's right. So, um, so I, I, you know, first came here, and I had been working um, in regional New South Wales, and they were shooting a big Superman movie there. So I've been trying to get the story of getting onto the set and doing it behind the scenes. And it just never quite happened while I was still working at Prime in northern New South Wales. Once I came and worked at Seven, then those contacts and that badgering, and I think they just felt sorry for me, paid (laughs) off and I was able to shoot this story on the set that then ran across news bulletins. And as a 21-year-old, that to me was just very exciting. I thought, wow, I've done it. Now I don't have to do anything else and I've made it. Um, Of course, you know, you learn that there's a lot more to life than that. Mm. But, you know, that was a funny little um story and kind of my introduction to seven and it's also um it was also made more funny by the fact that i tried to dress up in a superman suit which was a little bit well, I was bit-
2: about to mention the superman <laughs> suit because that is an image that is burned into my eyes I'm sorry <laughs> <about that>. <laughs> <laughs> um but it was it, it put you on the map you then became part of the sunrise team and your uh your rise through the ranks it's really been extraordinary do you look back at the at the career you've had and wonder how you got from point A to point B?
0: Um, A little bit because also I wasn't looking to get necessarily from point A to point B. I was Mm. looking to make good television and I was looking to feel inspired and be creative and do good journalism. And so somewhere along the way that led to where I am now. But it was not a a sort of um, a specific pointed ambition organic type of thing. It kind of happened. But it happened with a lot of hard work energy um and for me it was always about not necessarily where do you want to go it's where do you want to take the viewer Mm. i guess there are a couple of instances where i thought well somebody's got a lead here and so i'll take the lead on this or that and it kind of happened that way so it felt a little bit more organic than contrived if that makes sense yeah but sometimes then stop and go wow you know because also you're talking to the boy who at the age of 12 was going to do work experience at the channel nine today show. (laughs) So I remember peeking through the glass windows and back, back then there was, you know, back in the Willoughby days, there was a bit that you could watch that studio that they were in back then from a little glass area. So I'd go and peek through and look at Steve. And I think it was Tracy at the time Mm. and just wonder what that would be like one day to even work on that show. So to, to be executive producer of, of one, um, it still is a bit of a pinch yourself moment, you know, you still, you never quite get used to that. Mm. And, um, you know, I still get a bit of a buzz when the lights come on in the studio and they, they're shining up to my office on this floor. And I think, Oh, is there some television being made here? Today? <laughs> you still get that buzz. I understand uh, it. And I, and yeah, you would understand it perfectly. And that, that buzz that you can probably only get from live TV because there's the chance of everything going wrong. So I do pinch myself and go, Oh, well, that's, you know, you've come quite a far way from that, little boy in the 90s, you know, but it's Mm. nice.
2: Now, you obviously worked closely with Adam Boland and you were in a relationship with him. In fact, I remember we all knew before you two let us know. And uh, I was down in Beaconsfield with Adam and uh, it was where the miners were coming out. And uh, it was a few nights before they came out and we were sharing a hotel room together. Anyway, we were just talking. And I just said to him, Oh, how long have you and Michael been together? And he was like, what? And he, he had no idea that people knew, but then once he knew that people knew he didn't, he was, he, he he was happy not to hide it, but how hard was it from your point of view feeling you're trying to make your mark in this uh, industry without feeling like people were looking at you like you were with the boss and that was giving you opportunities. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's uh, that in itself is a little bit of an awkward thing to go through. And
0: also, mm. it, you kind of don't want that to be the focus. Mm. And it's not something you think about because also the other thing that happens is, as you know, because you work so long hours, you don't really get to meet or talk to many other yes. people. So yep. it can't, it's not something you plan, but then again, would you
2: just be single forever um, if you weren't with someone from work? You know, so it's-, it's But you two fun. fed off each other. I mean, it was a relationship where um, you helped each other. There's no doubt he taught you things, but you contributed with ideas and, you know, you would both be up late at night working on stories and working on things together. And I can totally see how a relationship grew yeah. And became a, a partnership where it was a contribution of going back to what you said before, making great television. Yeah. Well, I think we're also both TV nerds from yes So um, there was a
0: lot of common ground there. And um, yeah, I mean, most of what we talked about was television, which was, um, and of course, you got to remember back then I was in my early twenties. Mm. So, you know, um, you know, I was still learning about life and about the world and about, everything so yeah it was um it was definitely common ground there and I think that's probably where it all started
2: now you know I love you both I don't <laughs> you know I love Bolo do you have any regrets about the relationship um oh look I don't probably live with
0: regrets just generally speaking because everything's a learning experience mm. um I know he said that there are a lot of regrets and he's written that in books and said it publicly
2: um how does that make you feel when you read that um a bit a bit numb to be
0: honest i don't know it's um because mm-hmm. it, because it was quite you know at times it could be tumultuous it was a little bit you know messy um and you know he was going through a lot of things at the time that were that he would admit were sort of tough to 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 be around and deal with and again like i said early 20s you know you're still trying to figure out who you are yeah. so um so a lot of that was a struggle um but you know I, look it's not something that i really think about a lot actually i haven't really thought about it until you've just asked me now <laughs> a long time, but i guess that's what this is all about talking that's right um but so regrets are oh, look probably nothing that springs to mind immediately um and you know he's he's made clear his regrets i guess um but you know a- again everything's a learning experience and you know it's part of who you are and part of who you become. Mm. Um, and that was a stage of my life that ended, you know, almost 15 years ago, but it was a
2: stage. And it was an important stage. It was part of your career growth, your personal growth. You know, it, um, uh, I, I agree with you about, I don't see the need for regrets, but, you know, we all do have regrets uh, over the years. and And I think his regrets are more self-reflective of, yeah. the things he did over time and, and you know, um, uh, and the mistakes he made. Well, I've made mistakes, you know. We, we all do make yeah, mistakes. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think, I think also um, he feels like there was a bit of um, trail on his part for certain things. Uh, look, you know, when, when it comes to TV, you know, him setting up the Channel 10 show, which some people said was a betrayal of me. I didn't see it as a betrayal. It's, you know, that's life. Everyone's got to mm. work. Everyone's got to have an outlet. Um, that didn't bother me. Um, maybe coming after my staff wasn't the best thing, but he's, he's acknowledged that I think as well, that, that I thought that was playing dirty and I didn't think we needed to play dirty. I thought we were past all of that, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, look, then, uh, That was eight years ago. So that's going yeah. <laughs> back. So all this stuff is kind of a long time ago. I know, um, but we are talking about your life and your career, I don't know, Michael. of course, of course. So I'm not trying to steer clear of it, but, um, but it's not something that sort of, I think about day to day because it's, mm. it does feel like
2: water under it. The bridge you know yes which is why you can talk about it now and not back then perhaps because oh, totally absolutely um i've got to say i think staff are fair for poaching because people no, totally. allowed he, just to make- said, he just said he wouldn't rob so that's why I said,
0: <laughs> other, that's when i have a problem otherwise yeah. go for it <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean it's, to, to me there's a bit of honesty that, yes yeah. and if and I'm, and I'm big on honesty and loyalty and trust you know um call me old-fashioned but that's, that's just, you know, who I am.
2: No, I agree with that. Um, I think he would acknowledge one of the mistakes was he talked a tough game in the media when he was starting a show that was – going to struggle, whether it was the best show on television or not, because it was starting on the third place network, commercial network, and there were two big players already in the game. Um, And there certainly was a lot of pressure on him at the time. And I think he, and we know of the issues that happened once the show launched. Uh, So I think that he looks back at that time and and feels he made some mistakes in the way he went about things, but it, it comes back to this issue for you uh you know is it show business is it show friendship how do you define the way you treat people within the industry
0: i don't think it's show business or show friendship i think it's just um you know basic common human decency i still mm-hmm. want to apply the rules that i would apply in my own life to the way i deal with people at work and in a work environment and that means having fun having a laugh but also having a level of transparency and honesty there mm-hmm. um, I'm not a big bullshitter, to be honest, yeah. and, and I, d- I like people to speak up and say what they think. One thing I can't stand is people who's, who sit in a meeting with a poker face and then after the meeting go and bitch. You know, that to me, <laughs> well, it's also not even uh, counterproductive. It's a waste of time. Yeah, how We all just get together, and that's how we work here at Sunrise. It's really collaborative. Mm. Um, you know, it's not just the best idea wins, but it's the, the best discussion of how we're going to do something that wins mm. as well. And everyone gets a say, you know, um, and ultimately that's how we, we look at our viewers. You know, they're the producers of the show. We just facilitate what they want to see. Um, but I think so I think how I approach work is similar to how I approach
2: m- my own you know, personal life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you took over Sunrise, you needed to define it as your own. How hard was it taking a successful program that had, you know, taken on the Today Show and won? You had been part of the journey, but how do you evolve that format in your own mould to keep it as it is? It's Australia's number one. It has been so dominant, and we'll talk about cast changes and all that kind of stuff. But how? what's the pressure like on you to make it um, have the Michael Pell stamp on it?
0: Yeah, I, to be honest, I didn't. I didn't feel that pressure immediately. Probably because again, I was 27 years old. I wasn't thinking about all that stuff. Mm. You just kind of go in there and do it. Um, I've never been one to change for change's sake, and I've never been obsessed with putting my own personal stamp. What I've always been inter- interested in is creating a product that the viewers are interested in. Yep. Um, because then that then the ratings take care of themselves. Everything happens from that. So it's always about what do people want, what do they need. And so I think in the, in the beginning, it was all just about re-evaluating. Are we doing everything right? Is there more that we could be doing? Um, and then, as you say, evolving the product. And what we've done has always been an evolution, not a revolution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there were some immediate changes that I made that, you know, aren't necessarily what the average viewer would be conscious of. Um, I guess my style was a little more... Heavily produced than than maybe the previous style. Um, maybe it was a bit faster in terms of pace. That's mm-hmm. just those are just me things that that um, you know how I operate and how I like to watch TV. But but the bulk of it is about evolving a product that was not broken um, and didn't need to be fixed mm-hmm. with a cast who'd been there for many years who knew exactly what they were doing and with a production team who knew what they were doing as well. So um, while it's tricky to come into that, it was well it was well established and well set up. To begin with, but yeah, you're right. It comes with a whole series of challenges, a whole series of pressures. Pressure and stress management is part of this job. You would know mm-hmm. from doing, you know, executive producing roles on daily ca- current affairs based shows. You know, it's you, you can get caught up in all of that stress and all of that um, all of that um, attention. You just have to put that to one side and do the best possible product, and and try to keep sane while you're doing it. You
2: know, um, so and then and that's a challenge absolutely how much of a challenge does it become when the ratings race gets tight now we sunrise has always managed to get back in front of the game when it has been challenged but there have been times um, when today has gotten closer and or you know they claimed to win one year and then it became a national argument which I you and I might have some disagreements on over that but (laughs) how what's the pressure like during those times well look yeah you can be a slave to the
0: ratings. Absolutely. And I know that that's one of the biggest pressures in doing this sort of job because you get those results every day. For me, it's always been about trends. And I know, you know, days become weeks, then become trends, but you've also got to leave room for the, um, for the fluctuations that inevitably are going to happen for the cyclical factors that are inevitably going to happen. And the other thing is you have to remember with this type of show, with the breakfast TV show, it's not just one factor affecting things. It's dozens of factors and we're sort of left to guess what those factors are day to day. It's up to us with you know to interpret and also to use our producing now our own intuition to try to steer that ship. So for anyone to ever sort of say oh it's because of this that this is happening or because of this that that's happening maybe yes but it's a bit of everything and for anyone to claim that they know absolutely why something happened we just know they're lying because we don't know. We, we're, we're sort of left to interpret that ourselves.
2: Well, unless it's me writing about it, Michael, I do know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're right, wrong. No, but no, and often what you, often um, observations that you make are correct. I would, I would always just caution that there are probably about five other things as well at play, okay. and it's what's most, effect- what's you know, making the most change. But yeah, that's. I mean, the stress of that is, is you know, it's a big part of what we do, and, and it drives you because every day, whether you thought yesterday was a great show or a terrible show at you know eight fifty eight a.m on the dot you'll get a result that tells you whether the audience agree with you or not whether that's mm. because of those factors or several other factors you have to wear that and that's that's a powerful thing when look when the cycle's going down a bit i'm always one to caution that there is a legacy there that there is a consistency there to other people it looks like it's a lot of fluctuations because suddenly they go whoa i saw two months ago that sunrise is winning by this much and now yep. they're only winning this much to me that's something that i'm used to seeing because i've seen it over a decade happening over almost you know a decade and a half i've watched these trends so they worry me less i guess these days because i can understand them a bit more also um you know if you look at the the record of a show like sunrise it is actually quite consistent it's consistently Mm. done very well over a long period of time so there is some Correlation there between what you're doing and what the result is. It doesn't happen by accident. So I would just caution people when they go, oh, it's a bad week for sunrise go, <laughs> yeah, and go, and next week might be good and the week before was okay too. It's just, um, it's it's when things happen that you can have attached no explanation to, that's when you start to worry. Um, but I'll I'll be honest, no executive producer likes to see the ratings down. You like them when they're up. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd know what that feels like when, when wow, we've had a great week and then suddenly a bit of an average week. But I've, I've learnt personally to be able <laughs> to take that a bit with a grain of salt, if you know what I mean, rather than to attach every single, um, you know, meaning of the universe to to those, um, you know, one or two days of ratings.
2: Well, I admire that because I remember a very specific situation where Studio 10 had uh, got a bad result the day before. I was in a foul mood and Meekin said to me, I know you're pissed off because you got a bad result. Perk up, son.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and that's it. But And and I think that, um, you know, over the years there have been days where I've had a grumpy day because the, the figures are a bit soft. Mm. I think if, again, if there's a trend that you can attach to it, if there's, several other factors that you know are at play, then you can kind of talk yourself into a place where you can continue being productive on that day and not just be a grump. But, by the Mm. way, being a grump is part of doing this sort of job. Well, when
2: you're doing it uh, day in, day out, day in, day out, long days, of course it is.
0: You're not always going to be happy. You're not always going to have a terrific day. Even when things are going well, there's Mm. going to be something that's going to get at you because there are a million different things you're trying to do every day to keep this, this shit steering. Well, tough titties, that's part of the job. You know, that's the gig. Um, mm. It's a great gig. It has its perks. It's got, a, you know, it's a real honour. It's a privilege, all that stuff. And that's real. Um, it's a huge honour. And it has its downsides too, you know. Mm. Um, one of them is <laughs> um, ratings, cycles, fluctuations, and and also the commentary around that, what people have to say about mm. that. Um, I think I've gotten better over the years at, at dealing with that commentary as well, rather than <laughs> getting so annoyed <identified>. by <laughs> every little thing that was said that. frustrating you know
2: well Um, you know we've certainly had our ups and downs over the years uh i hope there's certainly been a firm friendship at the end of all of it uh just like there was with bolo but i had a big falling out with him when i first moved to channel nine and and today's show started getting up in the ratings and i got a hot air balloon with thanks for today and did these promos about winning on the east coast and he said and i wish i still had that email because he blasted me a new one what is your take on the idea of um, selling ratings wins based on East Coast and the skewing of certain figures? Um, My view is that we're one country, not a
0: country made up of different cities or coasts or states or north or south or east or west. And I think you have to, I think for one, free to way TV has to start being accurate about how it sees itself and that means national figures, that means looking at streaming, that means looking at, um, you know, how different people are viewing that one product. You know, I think we still do sell ourselves on the idea of a five-city metro, which is so outdated. So for me, I and I also think for a show to come out and go, "Yay, we won Melbourne!" and you go, "Well, what did what happened in Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, and the rest of the country? Did you lose them?" I mean, I think it's wiser to look at the country as a whole. We're the only market, the only country in the world that likes to talk about a five-city metro or six cities or seven. That, to me, is strange. I think it makes much more sense to just look at national figures. You can you can point to various different and probably detailed commentary, and your listeners, your readers, they're, they're interested in seeing commentary. I think the average everyday person is not that interested in a breakdown of city by city and region by region, because we can really break those numbers down, as you know. We can go to suburb by mm-hmm. suburb
2: almost. Yeah. But for me, East Coast, no, I think it's more... And even
0: Five City Metro, I think, is outdated now. I think we should look at
2: national... I've got to... That's what I need to ask you about, because Sunrise for years had sold itself on Five City and Metro, as the entire industry did. You move to the national figure. Yeah. Is that a fair comparison if... And I don't know the answer whether nine has as many regional centres as 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 seven, but when advertising is sold on a Five City and Metro scape, is it um, fair to then go to National, which doesn't bring in the re- advertising revenue to the networks? Well, but it sometimes does. It depends on the... two affiliation agreements, and I understand that, yeah. But, but also, if you look at Seven,
0: we own a lot of our regional stations ourselves. Mm. You know, so I think it depends on the company. It depends on at the business. You know, by that rationale, would you combine radio and TV ratings because... And newspaper readership because Nine sure. Owns... Those. would you in perth would we add the west australian into channel 7 perth figures but isn't
2: that why five cap cities gives us a fair playing field because it is the model we've always used yeah but the problem with that is it just talks about revenue and not about actual viewership so
0: i think mm-hmm. you need to actually tell people how many people are watching i mean and again if, if i'm quoting you a figure of how many people are watching a particular show, you'd expect me to not leave out some people who you aren't getting the money from in terms of revenue, you know, so that to me is a little bit of a sales thing from the 1980s <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and maybe it's more useful to actually tell people how many people are watching. I mean, for example, in, in the sorts of platforms that you're on, you don't exclude people. You, you include everyone who's who's logging on or who's clicking or who yep. and we look at our um you know the online world they're taking clicks from anywhere they don't care where they're from um sure the money might all be coming their way too the advertising goes everywhere but i still think um you know in 2021 you have to be accurate about how many people are watching and it's not just national it's not just metro plus regional i'm also talking how many people are watching on their phone how many people mm-hmm. are watching on catch-up um you know, and that's less important for news shows because people don't generally go and binge Sunrise, yep. and, you know, a week later. I do. But it's my <laughs> job. You probably do. It's your job. And maybe some of your listeners and viewers do too because, you know, we're all TV nerds. Yep. But generally speaking, people just watch it live. So it's I'm more talking about reality shows, dramas, that sort of thing. But I still think, and I know our CEO is talking about this a fair bit, mm. um, and I think he's got the exact right idea. You've got to be accurate. And you've actually got to talk about yourself as you are rather than try to, we talk ourselves down, oh, only some people watch and that mm. person give us the revenue. How about just telling me how many people watched? Just like you tell me how many people clicked and, you know, it, and and how many people were streaming and how many people, whatever.
2: It's a persuasive argument. I will give you that.
0: Have I convinced you? You actually look like you're convinced now. <laughs> Maybe. Well, maybe but to me it's also about just reporting accurately how many people are consuming a product where the money goes for that is up to the salespeople to deal with right mm. should we just be telling people this many people and also with a show like sunrise and today and abc breakfast you're talk, talking about an average across two hours you know the seven to nine mm. main two-hour block
2: you know, then we're seeing in prime time a lot of shows splitting out different things for different people Well, this is a question I have for you because, you know, nobody's watching breakfast television for two hours, or some people are, but yeah. generally they're not. So, and radio measures itself differently. Yeah. Are we measuring breakfast TV the wrong way? Poss- possibly. I think, we're again, it might be talking itself down to, you know, mm. when-
0: a figure of 250,000. Correct. Doesn't sound like very much. Well, that's five city metros. So add in the regionals, you've got another, you've up to over 450,000 probably at that point. Then add in the fact that how many unique people watch, you're up to 1.3 million. So across the morning, that
2: is. But isn't that the key? The number of unique people that are watching those shows? I think so.
0: So when we're talking to sales clients, when, when I'm talking to people, um, you know, in the media about the, the importance of breakfast TV and they can't understand why the numbers sound low. Mm-hmm. Then when I explain that f- figure, the fact that, you know, you're talking about over a million people unique watching every morning, then you get a sense of why. And that's just for seven, forgetting about Nine and ABC and the other, the other products on offer then you get a sense of how important this this breakfast landscape is and why it's important to a network and to advertisers but a lot of people don't even consider that you know and some journalists have written the story Michael Lallow writes it really well actually over the years how mm-hmm. important it is to actually look at that figure because then you see the millions and you and you see the um the millions of people I'm saying and you see you know the impact and the um and and the
2: influence of a show like Sunrise so under that methodology is Breakfast TV doing better than primetime TV? Uh, I, d- I wouldn't have the
0: answer to that off the top of my head, but I still wouldn't think so because you'd still have you'd surely have bigger bulk numbers
2: at night. But I don't think people are coming in and out of seven thirty shows like they are breakfast they, TV. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be. They'd be they'd be either sticking or they'd be turning off probably.
0: Mm. And but also when you when you look at the number of the, the the length of time that people are watching sunrise for example it's got a bit longer over the years which i love because it means we're be to, it's up to about 47 48 minutes now that's quite a long time to watch um and you know they're doing other things as well it's not a cap it's always they're brushing their teeth or they're running around again it's ready so it's not um it's not an audience that's sitting there the whole time focused like maybe a prime time audience but yeah you're right if you compared that with prime time i'm not sure how that would look um, I would suspect between 6 and 8.30 p.m. it would not be greater, but I possibly before 6 p.m. and after 8.30 p.m. you might have a bigger audience there. I don't, well, I don't it's know.
2: interesting. I think we're going to get to the point where shows like Sunrise and to a lesser extent the Today Show are outrating some primetime shows. It's getting very close on that level
0: and and maybe your theory behind that is that people are not streaming in the morning but they are streaming more at night or, or they're going to other sources of entertainment and yeah. and that and that could be that could well be a factor look fragmentation's changed the whole landscape but i mm-hmm. still think if you're an advertiser and you wanted bulk and you wanted a lot of people to see your brand or your product very quickly you'd go to free-to-air tv because that's where the that's where the bulk of the eyeballs still are if we mm-hmm. measure it prop and we report it properly yes you know, rather uh,
2: 100% yeah absolutely Now, Sunrise, you mentioned, is really important to the network. And so you've had to do deal with an issue of cast changes mm. over your tenure as executive producer. That's a scary and difficult thing when you're number one, mm. when you moved from Mel Doyle to Sam Armitage to Nat Barr. Mm. How do you get that right? How do you manage it?
0: Good, good question. I think the most important thing to remember is that the audience is... Uh, They're sensitive to change They have ownership over the show And the cast Mm. So any changes that happen Have to be explained properly to the audience And then they have to be managed properly on air Which means um, Which means keeping a good ensemble cast around those changes yeah. and remembering that these changes happened because the people involved wanted to move on. And that's fine. Again, you're talking
2: about. Is it always that or is there sometimes you sit there and think and, and as, as Seven thinks we, we do need to make changes to keep the show fresh? Is it always the decision of the cast member or is it? It's a, not always the decision of the cast
0: member, but it has in the case of those two mm-hmm. been their decision. Um because when you look at it, I mean, okay, let's take let's take them, for example, one by one. So Melissa Dahl had, you know, been on top of her game for over a decade. She'd done this show, but she was she was moving more in towards a journalistic pedigree. And in the last two years of her on Sunrise, we had sent her to every major breaking news story around the world. That was the direction she was heading in. Yeah. So it sort of makes made sense for her to then graduate towards that, towards, you know, hosting news bulletins for the network and then eventually to hosting Sunday night before. Mm-hmm. Or, um, before that left our screens and by the way doing some of the biggest interviews of our time during that period yep. with a lot of um, respect from the audience who'd seen her on sunrise for 10 years so that sort of made sense so how do you manage that then you have to manage that by keeping a, the cast around the replacement consistent so that people aren't getting too much of a jolt mm-hmm. you have to make sure that the person who comes in i believe is someone that's familiar to the audience and that perhaps yep. the audience expected to take over so in that case it was samantha she'd been filling in for a couple of years at that point, she'd hosted Weekend Sunrise for six years. So that sort of made sense. She had good rapport with Koshi. Chemistry is always important, that word chemistry. Mm-hmm. She had good rapport with the rest of the team. So that made sense. And she came and did this job here for eight and a half years. it's always funny when someone leaves breakfast TV or announces they're leaving, everyone goes, what? Shock. (laughs) Well, how many people do you know who did a job for, in Melissa Dawes' case, 11 11 or so years? In Sam's case, eight and a half years and six and a half on weekend sunrise before that. But for some reason, because we attach so much meaning to these people, and I understand why, because they're ours, they're in our living Mm. room, we feel like we own them. Yeah. And and that's, that, that is what it is, and that's part of the gig. But because we feel like we own them, if they want to change their life and they want to move to the country, as Samantha wants to do and has done, and she wants to enjoy her family and she wants to enjoy her new husband, people are like, but no, you have to be on the television. <laughs> and then it's how do we manage it. So the other key is a good farewell, one that actually gives the viewers what they really want to see, mm-hmm. which is all the best and the worst moments from, from their time. Um, and then it's about using someone who's the replacement who as i said the audience is familiar with and also who can do the job um, and in that case this time it was natalie and i think she's done a great job i think no one would deny that she's a great journalist
2: but she's a, she's actually coming to her own now as well she so, really has this has been an extraordinary transition is there an argument that she should have replaced mel
0: oh look there was always that argument at the time Nat didn't feel that she was ready, and also wasn't that keen on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but to be honest, she wasn't gunning for it this time either. It just felt more like a natural progression for her now, and also she'd been filling in a lot more now than she mm-hmm. had back then. I guess you know. Um, so look, there's always an argument for that. That's that's the fun of it. That's when people sit back, and that's when your listeners and your um, viewers and your readers sit back and go, "Well, I think it should be this person." I think it should be this person. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, we make those decisions trying to keep. The majority of the viewers in mind and also trying to give everyone what we think is going to be the best product so um so i i look i think um i think Nat's just doing a really good job she's having fun too and that's
2: important you, you can see it she's owning uh the interview she's doing she's asking yeah. tough questions she's fair um is it's, she- hard, it's hard to come into that role as you know sure.
0: it's almost like one of the trickier roles in tv to Mm. come in you know and the level of scrutiny she's you know i I spoke to her in the first couple of weeks of of the new gig and said are you finding doing the job tough or just the talk around it and the scrutiny around it she said definitely the scrutiny the actual job itself i find not to be easy it's a tough job Mm. but to be more something that i'm used to doing she's not someone who's used to a lot of attention a lot of fanfare so to have that much noise coming at you when you haven't had that was was the thing that was more challenging for her i think two months, three months on now, I think we are well, probably even a bit more than that now, she's she's learnt to just put that to one side, mm-hmm. which is what, what all the people in those roles have to do. I mean, Koshi doesn't even hear some of this noise sometimes, he's so, he's so used to it. <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, Mel and Sam both had their different ways, their various ways of dealing with that level of scrutiny and that level of pressure.
2: Um, it, it's funny, Sam and Nat are different in the tabloids. Sam was a tabloid fodder a lot and your relationship with her made a lot of headlines as well, that you were best friends and there was talk of her falling out and that you didn't go to her farewell. Um, uh, you know, I can imagine that when she first started, you were tight and, you know, it, it was a bonding experience. Did you sort of drift as people naturally do over time?
0: Um, probably a little bit. I think, I mean, I think, you know, when when she first started doing the show, I was, I was just 30 and I think she was in her late, in her mid thirties. So, mm-hmm. And, you know, and we've known, known each other for 20 years, so she is mm-hmm. like a sister to me. And like a brother and sister relationship, <laughs> you have good times and you have bad times. Mm-hmm. And we've always been honest about that. Yeah, Look, there's always been a mutual respect. I think she is absolutely brilliant at what she does. Um, I think she thinks I'm all right at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she bad, but, you know. No, I'm only teasing. But um, but I so I don't think it was as much a falling out as just a, um, you, know, our, you know, we had our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you do have your lives. And then, of course, her roots are more in the country now, so she was mm. often there and wasn't around me. Um, but, you know, towards the end of her time on Sunrise, we got back to that place that I think we were at at the beginning. So we, we sort of came full uh-huh.
1: circle.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we got really close. And that's when she came to me and said, um, I, I think I want to leave because I'd like to see what else is is you know, life's all about. And she'd had a tough year last year. I said, absolutely. If there's mm-hmm. one day for any one day that you want to, you don't want to be here, that is not a day that you want to be spending here. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and it's always my um, advice for anyone on camera or off, actually, in television, if you're not enjoying it anymore, you should seek something else to do because... It, but it, people it, don't. Otherwise. No, I know they don't. And I understand for security reasons you don't want to, but you really have to do what's in your heart. Mm. And it just wasn't in her heart anymore. doesn't mean she wasn't great at it. It doesn't mean she didn't love holding journalists to account, um, making viewers laugh, which she did every day. Mm. But it just wasn't for her anymore. She'd done it. And so I was fully supportive. And I think we probably bonded over that towards the end there. But I, I can really say that... That, you know, her, me and Koshi were very tight for, you know, the whole eight years that she was here. Mm. But, you know, that's at work. Personally, you, you know, we all move on and, you know, have different partners and different, you know, family experiences. And so,
2: um, but, you know. But you think when you're single, it's easier to ca- get together for drinks and all that kind of stuff. When you yeah. starting so, relationships, you actually need to spend time with your partner.
0: That's right. So she went and met Rich and then I didn't matter anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I and I, and I love There's her. the headline. We've no, got I the head-
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, and I love Rich. He's a great guy and um, and I've never seen her happier. So I couldn't be happier mm. um, and, you know, I'm happy as well. But, again, these are people, I've got a great relationship with Koshi. You know, we've been around the world together a few times mm. and we've worked together for, you know, a decade and a half. I've got a great relationship literally around the world, sitting next to her on a plane. I wouldn't recommend to Matt on a plane just because she loves to talk and I like to watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> she loves to talk. But, you know, we're, we are all like a family, you know, and sometimes yeah. families have a bicker here and there. How much longer will Koshi be in the role? As long as he wants to do it because he can still do that job as well as he did 20 years ago. That is truly my feeling.
2: Uh, look, I, I agree with that, but I, I, I'm going to be honest with you here. I keep hearing rumours about a strategy department at seven. I don't know if you're part of that strategy team or, or what it is, but I keep hearing rumours that ultimately um, the feeling is Koshi needs to be moved into a senior correspondent role so that fresh blood can come through. Is there any truth to that?
0: No. If there is a strategy team, I'm not part of it and I've never heard anyone wanting to move off the guy who's been number one for two decades.
2: <laughs> I, I think, no, no. It's an and interesting just, theory. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be the person making that decision. No, I think that that would be a highly risky strategy mm. when
0: we've just changed female co-host to then change the male co-host. Mm. It also would not be something that we would do because A, he's number one, B, he's well-liked, C, he's well-performing, and D, he still wants to do it. Yeah. So. I can categorically deny that. And I can tell you that Koshi will be there as long as he wants to be there because we want him there. The other thing is, um, he's still got the energy of, you know, when I first met him, he was in his early 50s. Now he's in his mid 60s. And I don't see any difference. I don't even see any difference physically. It's like he's frozen in time. He looks the same. As he did when I first met him. He hasn't, ch- actually, I first met him when I worked at Sky News and he was doing the business show there. So that's, you're going back to 20 years ago. He seems exactly the same person. And he was 45 then. So, Look, um, I haven't heard those rumours, <laughs> but I would know about it if they were being discussed. But that,
2: I, I haven't gone to print with that. I, I no. hear bits and pieces, and that's why I yeah, thought that's I'm thought i
0: going to ask. Yeah, no, I, I can categorically deny that he's going anywhere, really, unless he wants to. Um, and look, I reckon he's still got a couple of years left in him, at least. Mm. Um, you know, it would make our job easier because then we don't have to succession plan.
2: <laughs> well, mean, and and this going is going really well. Do you, um, you know, there was a point where today got really close and and depending on how you judge the numbers, in a five-cap city there was a win and that was challenged and Nine accepted that, so fair play. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that show just imploded and that was fortunate for you? Did they implode because you guys were doing so well? Um, they, they seem back on their feet now, but they had a rough couple of years. Yeah, I think... Um-
0: in this sort of scenario, when you're running a breakfast show, you can have t- two different scenarios. One is that the opposition show, your main opposition show, is very strong, and mm-hmm. then it's a toe-to-toe battle. And then another scenario is when they are quite weak, and it's an easier battle. I think um, they never really recast changes. Um, the first one being Lisa, and the second one being Carl. Yeah. And um, Lisa leaving, wanting to leave, and Carl being moved on and then being returned. And I think, um, and I've said this already publicly, actually not everyone liked me saying it, but I was just being honest. When you blow up a show like that and you really drop that audience, remember I was telling you earlier about Mm. the audience being sensitive to this, you blow up a show, you change everyone, even people who were doing a great job, who there was no reason to move on whatsoever, um, except possibly for some sort of, you know, relation to a Stefanovic. I mean, that just makes no sense. Mm. And I said it at the time that that's, people don't like that, you know, that you know, everyone had their favourite on that show and then suddenly they're all gone. Mm. And it's no disrespect to the people who were put into the roles. They're all great journalists and great people. I know them all. But that was a recipe, I guess, for disaster. And and at the same time, we worked hard on providing a consistent show for the audience, for giving them something that perhaps the opposition wasn't doing, which was giving them familiar faces, consistent format and consistent show. Um, So I think both things are true you know, that they made some mistakes but also I think that we were doing well and remembering that this team here is a really experienced team and a really good team. I mean, the 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 amount of people who leave is, you know, very few, you know. that What's yep. the retention rate? We have a high retention rate of staff. People don't want to leave. They're happy to be here and most of the senior team, in fact, all of the senior team has been here for, one of them has been here for six years, the rest have been here for more than ten years. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's, and that's a really, and so it's not just me, it's a, it's a team of what I almost joked the brains trust. So, and we all talk together about everything and we strategize about everything. Mm-hmm. Nothing you see on the screen is accidental. It's all part of a strategy. So I think when you've got such an experienced team together and then possibly you've got, um you know, a, a less experienced team or more fractured team with more changes, with cast changes, it's just very hard for them to get in a groove. Um, and, and that being said, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, all the people who, you know, are on, on that show now. Um, you know, I know Carl and Ali, I've known them for years. Um, they're good people. I know Alex, he was, he worked here for years. He's, mm. he's been on Sunrise. Um, but I guess, you know, it's a funny sort of game breakfast TV because, you've got to be dynamic and you've got to make people see something new every day But Mm -hmm. you've got to be really consistent and you can't change things too much. So (laughs) if if that doesn't sound like a contradiction, you know, I don't know what (laughs) the whole thing is a contradiction, but that's, that's, that's the art of it. And it's, and Mm. no one said it was easy, (laughs) but, but it's definitely fun. Um, and I think
2: that's probably the key to getting, getting that success, you know, that magic something, um, one of the things you do, you don't bullshit, uh, especially, and you're not one of these <laughs> executives who says, I don't watch the competition. I know you do. Um, yeah. And you're open about that. Yeah. What is one of the positives about the current Today Show that you see and you go, that's pretty good?
0: Um, uh, well, the biggest positive is that they've stuck with the same team for for longer than, and, you know, rather than knee-jerk to, press responses that were negative or to bad ratings because you, ha- you have to give a team a time you know to- so i'd say that look <laughs> i like some of what they do but it looks familiar to what we have been doing um, so <laughs> i don't want i don't want to call copycat but some of it does look very similar
2: um and and look i've said that so before. you think that's been a strategy to have a look I- at what's working on sunrise and and take those elements Yes, I think that would be a fair thing to say without,
0: without blowing our own trumpet because mm-hmm. this is also not, you know, these, a lot of these ideas aren't unique to us. They are morning TV ideas that are used around the world. Look, I think what they have a strength is that both their main hosts are very good journalists. Who've travelled yep. around the world covering big stories, and and we're lucky to have that as well. I think when you look at that, and you look at the ABC's product, what you've got there, and the, and the two hosts in each show, so that six those six people that I'm talking about—Michael Rolland, Lisa Miller, Alison Langdon, Carl Stevanovic, Natalie Barr, David Kosh—they've all travelled around the world. They've all covered the world's biggest stories. They can do breaking news at a drop at a you know a moment's notice and mm-hmm. you have to drop of a hat. Um, and they all have that credibility
2: in news and current affairs they do but but they also have that difference where they can be fun and you know that that's the hardest part of the casting process for these kind of shows if you were starting a new breakfast show to find that authority of a journalist but also someone who can then have a good laugh and make the audience laugh along with them that's not an easy skill
0: no you're right Rob and one of the hardest things often is for people to be authentic so Mm. You, you see a lot of people who seem quite fun in real life are great journalists and you put them in front of a camera and they freeze or there's somebody mm. else. You would have seen this when you're casting shows before as well. Yep. Where's that person I see off camera or I see when we go and have a lunch and talk about things. All those people can be authentically themselves on camera and to be that real and that vulnerable for that many people is quite a daunting prospect, but these guys do it without even thinking and mm. that I think is probably all, the, all of their strengths. And I also think that we have quite a high standard of breakfast TV in this country um, compared to some other countries, I think I think what all the audiences are getting is a pretty good product all round. I would argue that ours is the best, and I'd love everyone to watch us. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're going to be okay either way because you know because we have a very good standard here. Mm. Um, and but you're right; it's it's that that ability to do both to to seamlessly go between breaking news. And to laughing at a person wearing a cow suit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's almost ridiculous. Have you ever worn the cow suit? I've worn it a couple of times. On air? Yeah, I've done (laughs) anonymously. I did it, but remember, Rob, it's a real cow, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. But but in my, we can peel back the curtain here. (laughs) Just don't tell the kids. You know, Um, in in my first week running Sunrise, I did it basically to. A, to make fun of myself, B, to tell everyone that we're all the same, there's no, nothing, no airs and graces, no one special. And then I did it again recently because <laughs> the guest greeter who, who normally, um, you know, wears the suit, she, um, there was a roster stuff up and she was away and they went, oh, we can't do the cow. And I went, yes, we can. <laughs> And then, but I didn't tell the hosts it was me until I sat down next to them and then went, hi. And then they couldn't <laughs> stop laughing because they were like, why is Michael <laughs> <laughs> So it was a quite a funny moment. And then, but also we had another guy who used to do the couch sit and he used to whisper dirty things to them. Actually, Sam Mack mentioned it in his book and that was a lot of fun. So, you can't, <laughs> I mean, a lot of what happens behind the scenes is a lot of fun too. And yes. that's to carry the energy through to the screen, to hopefully to the viewers. Because again, the viewer is the number one priority. How we get there... How we make a show and what processes we have to go through to make that happen is our problem. It's all about getting to the
2: viewer and giving them what they want. They're they're the bosses. They're the real bosses. Now, Not I know. A suit. <laughs> absolutely. Now, look, I, I, I have no idea how long we've been going, but I I, I know, am I conscious know, of your time. Yeah. Um, but I need to ask, hmm. last year you did the Big Brother Live finale. I know you're working on The Voice what are you doing at seven? What's your evolution? They seem to be getting you involved in more primetime stuff.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good question actually, because, um, because I've done this for so many years now it's, you know, it'll be 11 years in a few months. Wow. So yes. And that's a long time to do that, that one executive producer role. So I guess I'm looking for other things. And I think that seven has been indulging me in some of that. I do like doing Big live shows. Everyone yeah. knows that. That's what I really. That's what you know. What's in my heart. That's what I really get a kick out of. Um, so I. So I worked on a few things. I worked on the early stages of the Voice here, but then I had to come back to Sunrise. So I was really only at the at the concept stage, really, and some of the casting of the ho- of the coaches. Right. Um, and I worked on the Big Brother finale, but it was an Endemol Shine production as well. So I guess last year for a few months I went and did some stuff. Uh, this year I've done less because there were other things that were needed to be done here at Sunrise, mm-hmm. and I guess um, that's something that, that me and seven will talk about what I do in the future. But I think right now I just go to where I think I'm most useful. So if that is doing something in prime time, then I do it. But my day-to-day gig is sunrise. My bread and butter is sunrise. That's still where my heart is. Um, but you know, inevitably I have to grow and learn. And also at some point it might be someone else's turn to do this job. Mm. So I'm not going to be here forever either. Um, and that's okay as well. It's like, it's like I said before, how many years is okay before you move on in these? Sorts of- <laughs> like, no, you can never leave. You can, and you know, people grow and people change. I'm still loving it, and I'm still energized. But, um, and, but it's know- a
2: scary thing from Seven's point of view. They've got someone who can steer yeah. the ship, keep the show at number one, yeah. and a changeover, like an on-air change, a change of the person running the show, is a risk.
0: Yeah, which is which is why I've I was juggling both. Mm. Uh, you know for a lot of last year, and that's and it's nice of seven to to let me do a bit of both as well so that I don't um, feel like I'm being stifled or I'm not growing as a person because I still need to expand my horizons, my skills, you know I'm still like everyone else, you're learning every day, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, I get why that would be um, a scary prospect. but also remember that there's a team here as well that have been doing it for a long time. Um, and they know what they're doing as well. So um, I guess we'll just have to see what happens next, you know, but that's the exciting part. Who knows?
2: Yeah. Um, uh, I'll wrap up here by asking you about your happiness because we started early on talking about your relationship with Boland and mm-hmm. you are now in a relationship with the director of Sunrise. Well, he's actually not the director of Sunrise anymore. He, he
0: actually um, he actually left a few months ago um, to go and become an actor so he, uh, really yeah so he's had a complete career change he's studying wow. at, his name is daniel he's studying at nida and he's studying at um screenwise as well so he's doing two um he's still directing things on the side he's done a bit of q a he's done a bit of a lot of quite a lot of seven news he filled in on sunrise for two days a couple of months ago just that was a bit of fun but he's actually <laughs> moved on from that a bit as well so there's only one of us getting up really early in the morning now but you know again like i said before where do you meet someone yeah you no, know, and, yeah. um, and so I met him here and that was good. Um, but no, I, I think I met him, he was directing Wake Up. No, he, he used to direct Wake Up and I think he directed, uh, or I may have switched on Studio 10, so I think yes. we probably worked with him actually yes. back, back in the day. So that's another thing. He's worked at every network too and he's been around. He's only 28. So I think we had a lot of common ground there as well. But I will say to you, um, have you ever dated an actor? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let me tell you something. If he has done... What what would appear to be a grumpy scene or an angry scene in the afternoon? Then I see him at night, and sometimes I'll say, "Why are you snapping at me? Have you done a grumpy scene today or something?" Oh, I did actually. (laughs) Oh my goodness! So he's method. Yeah, no, it's method. (laughs) (laughs) We worked together; it was quite calm. But then now he's an actor. I don't know what I'm getting every day. Is he an actor or is he an actor? No, he's an actor. No, but. I also wasn't aware of, um, of how much went into the craft and I should have been really, because I know so many actors and, you know, so many talented ones, mm. but there is a lot of method that goes into creating characters to reading people's emotions. It's almost like a psychology thing, really. You, you, you know, you've got to get inside human behavior before you yeah. can present it to other people. So it's quite fascinating. So he's doing that. He's happy.
2: I'm very happy. I think you can tell I'm happy. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, I can, can seriously, the moment we started talking about Daniel, I saw it on your face. Really? There was a light that came out of you. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> You'll love that. <laughs> 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 um,
0: oh, look, and, you know, we've been together for a couple of years. So I'm, I'm happy now. Um, it, I think it's important to have a
2: personal life, and I think yeah. it's also important to have a life away from TV. Um, but, but that's the key, and I'll be honest, I, uh, you know, I got lost in doing shows, you know, like I would give everything. And I think the balance is having that personal life and having the TV life and you can still make the TV life work. It doesn't mean you're giving less. It means what you're giving is better quality.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and also, how do you bring real experiences to producing a show if you're not having any? You yes. can't sit in an office. So I do try to, you know, get out of here when I can, rather than staying put at work for hours on end. And, you know, that, that comes with time and maturity, I think, learning that balance better. At the beginning, as a 27, 28-year-old, no, I had no idea and I had no balance whatsoever. And like you, that was my whole life. I think, um, I think I've gotten a lot better at at dealing with that now. That being said, it's still a baby and if the baby cries all night you have to feed it. it. So, you know, the phone never stops. When, you know, when a member of the royal family, Prince Philip, dies on a Friday night while you're watching the footy, Mm -hmm. um, which sounds quite Loki you connection. watched the footy I, I did on this particular night and it was a port adelaide game so koshi was happy with it but um but yeah this, i had this story ain't stacking up no it's true it's- <laughs> no i posted it on my instagram because okay. i was home and it was so funny that i was watching the afl with a friend of mine but um who's a big port adelaide fan but i then had to take it a- take some calls at the back of the room while everyone else was watching the footy and then i never i never was able to return to the footy because yeah. we had We had to do a six hour show in the morning. So I so look, that that is what it is. That's always going to be part of the gig. But day to day I try to have a better balance. And I think I'm sort of getting there. I think, you know, none of us are perfect. But um, you know, I'm laughing, I'm smiling, (laughs) I'm having a good time.
2: (laughs) Oh, I've gotta say, it's been a while since I last spoke to you, honestly. And there is a you're a different man. Oh I I think. Uh, In a good way. You know, uh, I, uh, I feel like if, if I can be honest for a moment, there was a younger Michael Pell who was very Mm self-absorbed and who um, I think now sees a bigger picture. And it's interesting to meet Michael Pell, the man who I feel like I'm meeting today.
0: Yeah. Well, but Rob, I mean, you could be accused of that back in the day as well. A hundred percent. And because, but again, we all grow and we all learn Mm. and, um, and, you know, it's. I think you get to a point where you know it's not all about you. And I think I've been misunderstood a little bit for people thinking that I thought it was all about me when it really was never about me. It wasn't even about this team. It was about the viewer from the start. It's always, My whole career has always been about the viewer and what I can give them. We're there to serve them. And that's always been my number one goal. But... Yeah, I think a lot of it comes with maturity. As you know, I don't
2: do interviews or podcasts, really. No, and by the way, I meant to say thank you so much for doing this because you don't anymore. No, I don't anymore. Because, but you know why? Because
0: I, I just let the work speak for itself, really.
2: Mm. Um, and Or is that because you've also been burnt over the years? You were very profile. You you had a high profile being the executive producer of Sunrise. You did a lot of interviews um, and and we've seen... That the tables can turn; those same journalists who are courting you for interviews can turn on a dime if something's gone wrong. Is that the lesson you've learned over the years?
0: Probably a little bit, and and again, it comes with maturity. But mm. also, um, I was never really seeking limelight, but I think that was the perception, and I didn't like that perception, you know, because that's not really who I am. Um, definitely not now, anyway. Mm. So, um, so I pro- it's probably come from that a bit. But, but again you know, like I said, I don't, I don't talk a lot anymore. Mm. I, I definitely don't do these sorts of things. So, um, <laughs> good on you for, for <laughs> demanding I do it. And then I, have, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't give yet. you much of a choice to be no, honest. You, no you did, but we go a long way back as well. You know, we're talking almost a, dec- a decade and a half as well. Yeah, so You're someone that I know and I know that you've been through a lot of what I'm talking about. So mm. we can have a proper discussion about, about these aspects because you've done it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I get maybe maybe a lot of it comes with maturity and um,
2: and seeing the bigger picture, like you said. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't think we can compare ourselves to the people we were ten years ago, and and I include myself in that. I, even little, five years ago, um, we learn from the experiences we go through we adjust our perceptions of what is acceptable what's not acceptable and what we who we want to be going forward and i i i'm quite impressed with the man i'm catching up with today
0: well thank you rob (laughs) not that you need my (laughs) approval you know Uh, and likewise and look and look you know again we're all evolving as people who the the hell knows what we're doing Mm. we're all just trying our best in life um now this is getting onto another sort of podcast or discussion this is, I know this is therapy with Rob is, McKnight <laughs> but, but it is it is just about living your life trying to find out who you are and where you are and and also I think having good friends and family good partner really does help and that's the stuff that's important yeah. isn't it I mean yeah. the, the the job is important work is important it's you know certainly what drives me creatively but it's not the be all and end all at the end of the day you've got to be happy don't you
2: um and that's in a lot of other places 100%. Michael Pell, congratulations on all your success. I look forward to seeing what you do if you get a shot at at running a primetime show. I would love to see that. Uh, thanks for being on McKnight tonight. Thanks for having me.
1: Fun insightful interviews from a Washington producer with to lose. tonight, midnight tonight, midnight tonight. It's from McKnight.